So we're going to do part 11, next week part 12 on the gospel of the kingdom and today is the central kind of focus, the climax of this great gospel which is the cross. So we're going to break bread together uh, and I want to kind of forewarn you as Paul did to those he wrote to in Corinth, examine your hearts, examine your hearts. The time of breaking of bread is when we celebrate the cross, the bread is the broken body of Christ uh, punished for us, and the blood is the new covenant. And so we do this until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But like he said to the Corinthians, we don't do this lightly. And he says, where you make something else of it, you know, for them it became a meal. Uh, looks like they were having, you know, great legs of lamb and roast potatoes and flagons of wine, and they'd lost focus. They weren't sharing. They weren't waiting for each other. And he said, your meetings do more harm than good in regard to this. And he said, because of this, many are sick and fall asleep. And in brackets, you can look in most translations, die. So in other words, there's a death and there's a sickness. If we forget about the magnificence, the power, and the central place that the cross has in everything. Today, we are here because of the cross. We aren't coming because you know, it's a cool place to hang out on a Sunday morning. It's we need Jesus Christ. People get baptized. The other ordinance that we're encouraged to keep, no other ordinances. And that ordinance kind of symbolically enacts my death with Christ and my resurrection with Christ. And so at time of water baptism, I die to myself and I rise in new life to Christ important that every single person who loves Jesus Christ and has been saved gets baptized in water to symbolically testify to everyone that that's what's taken place in my life. I point back to that day and that's where the old Marcus died and that's where the Marcus who loves Jesus and is going to live by the life that there is in the spirit has risen. It's a good point to contact. So if you haven't been water baptized Please come and speak to one of us. So I maybe just want to talk about a little disappointment uh, right now. Remember last week I said, we are trusting God that we are going to equip every one of you and me to plant churches. I never got a single phone call to say I'd like to plant a church. You just heard in lockdown, churches are being planted. You know, the way to revival and the way to see this country come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and every other country we call to and every people group is to plant New Testament churches. So let's keep praying into that. Let's keep trusting God that we continue to see uh, women, men and women rise up with brave hearts and take this gospel of the kingdom and through it, according to Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations, which is to plant churches. So let's have a look at the cross. The cross is the most powerful and important symbol in all of history, past, present, and the future. Not to Christianity, it's to the whole world. It is the symbol of hope and life and power and grace and forgiveness, and it's important that we understand through that symbol, God has split history. Through that symbol, He has brought us back to Himself. What are the other symbols that are important to life on the planet? We're very into graphic design, and you know, your company has got to have a, a logo and some kind of 
presence, you know, so that they can easily identify it. As soon as you see the, you know, the kind of flowery writing of the Coke thing, you get thirsty and you kind of think, I've got to have one of those. The other one is the dollar symbol. That kind of thing motivates a lot of us. I wonder if that's the thing kind of central to our lives. Here's another one. That one kind of represents that desire that we have for things. We want it. If, look, this one's already old, and it was bought three months ago. I believe they've got faster processes, face recognition now, more memory, whatever it is, and suddenly I need it. And that's how it is with us, unfortunately. We've got to keep the cross central. What about the ampersand? symbol. What's that? The at sign. What does that mean? Marcus at cornerstonechurch.co.za. That's how I'm connected to the world. That's, I can't wait to get inbox 15. And I go to the inbox and it's advert after advert. No, I don't want that. I want messages from people telling me how cool I am. And I'm connected and how they depend on me. And, you know, to get one from overseas, from a pastor saying, wow, you know, you, your sermons are great. You're in lockdown. We heard a few of them. And our church is now on a different course. Kind of you strut around and you think, I'm the guy. What about the hashtag symbol? Hashtag, where you kind of hashtag something, revival, hashtag revival in Joburg. And it gets a hundred thousand mentions it goes to the top of twitter's pile and you started it i started a revolution i'm important there's others what about three x's and that's not a beer in australia it is a beer brand but the three x's are common knowledge porn and it controls a lot of us it controls instead of something that should set us free it's central and we see all of life through that no not at all what about this? Huh? How many likes did you get this week, Dick? Come on. How many likes did you get, Steve? You know, you want to say that one phrase that gets 1,222,000 likes. Now you've made it. You kind of feel important. And you're kind of looking for the tick. You're looking for the thumbs up from people. When you get that kind of recognition, you've made it. Isn't it amazing? The symbol that defines history and kind of helps us understand everything on this planet from the creation of man until the second coming of Christ and beyond is a wooden cross. Who would have thought that? That's why it's, the, it's, it's like foolishness to the, to the world, but it's the power of God to those who are being saved. Isn't that awesome? That, who would have thought that on that cross the kind of transactions that affect the fate of mankind would take place. Not a United Nations building, not in some big corporate's boardroom, not in the IMF's inner chamber where they're kind of deciding on the economic fate of the world, but publicly in a place where the refuse dump was on a hill kind of 2,000 years ago, kind of, you know, straddled by sinners, uh, by thieves, there the savior of the universe, savior of this world hung. And that's where the transaction that affected all of us, all of mankind forever, that's where it took place. 
That will continue to be the cause for praise and questioning and meditation and thankfulness for the rest of our lives if we would understand the power of the cross. The gospel of the kingdom's very point of that sphere is the power of the cross. And we need to contend with it. We need to not empty it of its power because we can. Through our human reasoning, we can kind of forget about the central part of place and how strong it is. And we almost believe that we saved ourselves. None of us have saved ourselves. None of us have the ability to save ourselves. Every single one of us left to our own devices would also eat the apple if it was an apple. I'd like to think it was a watermelon because that's probably one of the best fruit. But I don't see Eve walking around having taken a bite out of a watermelon. But nevertheless, the cross is important. It's God's master plan. It's where we reunited with God through the blood of Christ. So your sin separates you, but through the cross, the pain, the suffering, the blood, the death, the torture, and all of that, mankind is reunited. I love that. That's where this divine exchange took place. As we kind of approach the cross, riddled with sin, sure of death, sure of a separation from God, and on the cross, we got forgiveness of sin, swapped. Not because of me or anything I did, but because of his love. You know, it's through the cross that we were brought together and we've become one. That's why in the kingdom, there is no place for any kind of division. Any kind of division in the kingdom is definitely not us applying the work of the cross. Because how can Christ, through dying on the cross, bring us together and we become one, and then we don't live in that? True kingdom life doesn't need politics it doesn't need any kind of you know, man-made system to try and make us live out one. The prophecies over this country, it's through this gospel and through the kingdom life this gospel teaches us and through our racial separated background, we are going to show the world an example of what it means to live as one. And we need to start to live in that healing and that victory and that life and that love. It's only through the cross. It's not through a banner. It's not through some kind of cause. It's through the cross. And so that's why unapologetically our our, our message is a kingdom one. We are one together through the cross. The cross is the ultimate act of love. Ultimate. You cannot comprehend a father sending his son to a cross and turning his back on him and dumping the sin of the world on him. It was God's pleasure to nail his son to the cross. God's pleasure. Because he saw you and me. He saw the fate of this whole of mankind. And he said, I'm going to do it. And Jesus was obedient to the cross. Obedient. And we know in the garden the night before, there were like drops of of sweat like blood. And, and he even said, if, this, if it's possible, let this pass me by. Surely there's another way, Father. And then he realized, no, not my will, but yours be done. And I tell you, the motivation was the love that he has for us. Obedience and love. 
God's master plan is at the cross. All the work and the power of the enemy is overcome, including death. How does that happen? How does that happen? We've been taught that you subdue enemies through war. Surely it would have been better to bring down legions of angels, Michael himself leading. You know, in his power and with fiery swords and shields and all kinds of heavenly kind of artillery and equipment and just take out every enemy. God's master plan. On the cross, he overcame all evil. Took all their power away and death, the product of sin. All sin will end in death. And mine has ended in Christ on the cross. That's death. So my sin has ended in death through Jesus. And that's why I'm free. And so the power of the cross, God's master plan, is this new way of freedom from us, for us. Freedom, freedom, freedom. You know, that's one thing kind of being bound by some bad habit. You know, like donuts. Um, other bad habits that can be a lot worse than that. Or maybe you were kind of in jail overnight or, you know, through speeding or from something else. Or maybe you even were in jail for a couple of years because of that. But I tell you, to be in jail because of your sin, because of the rebellion of your heart and the rest of us, there's only one who set us free from that heavenly transaction. In the highest court where God presides as judge, through the blood of Christ being laid on the altar, he said, not guilty. Isn't that awesome? That is freedom. Like, we should be swinging off the rafters if we had rafters. We should be rejoicing always. And so when you go through Scripture, it says, the cross is the power of God. It's the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's like when the soldiers crucified him and the onlookers mocked, <laughs> look at the Savior of the world, really? It's going to kind of overcome on the cross with splinters digging into his back, joints dislocated, blood pouring down, pain, the mocking of people and all of that. But it was because that's where he paid for us and the power of God. The power of God demonstrated. All of history, all of heaven, all of the future stood on tiptoes at that moment as the Son of God gave up his life so that we might be free. The power of God. An amazing, amazing plan. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world through the cross. He talks about it. He says, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's why I go back to the cross when I'm dealing with this heart of sin. And I still do have it. I'm, it's like the schizophrenic trans, uh, uh, confusion going on inside. I'm born again, but yet this heart of sin still longs for sin. I go back to the cross. I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. And so I apply that death. Sin is dead. Sin is dead. Romans chapter 7, Paul said, it's no longer I that sins, but it's this nature of sin in me. And the only way I can deal with that is not whipping myself, 
Not isolating myself to a room and, and silence and burning my fingers or whatever it is. It's through applying the work of the cross. It's the only way. And this world, as much as those symbols and other symbols drive me and entice me and the rest of it, I'm living for this cross because it crucifies the desires of this world to me. Reconciliation, as we said, takes place through the cross. God and man, man and man. You see, you know that moment when we were kind of confused at the Tower of Babel and we all began speaking different languages and we began to fight in war and it's, it doesn't matter what the differences are, it seems as our first response is let's try and occupy each other and fight with each other. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You see, hostility, hatred, superior thinking, and all of these do not belong to the gospel of the kingdom. This is not the gospel. It's we have the ability to love. We have the ability to build relationships. We have the ability to build kingdom and show the world an example that will challenge them. And you know what? It's not through my ability to love you, and it's not through my ability to tolerate or my ability to have peace. It's because of the power of the cross. We are one. When I understand that I am absolutely nothing apart from the cross, and you are nothing apart from the cross, then we can connect. But when I come to the cross with superior thinking, like some of the Jewish believers did, and I want to use their example because we can learn from it. And they felt that because they were the Jews and they had carried the word up until that point, they were like A-type Christians and others were B. No. James comes in with powerful revelation and he says, why are we so biased? Why is it that we bias always? You know, the rich guys sit in the, in the you know, million-dollar seats and the poor guys sit at the back and, you know, we have these attitudes. No, that doesn't belong to the kingdom. Because he loved us, we need a love. And his love cost him death on the cross. And you know what? Just somehow we don't know how to pay the price for love. And don't lift up a banner. Lift up your heart in love. It says in Colossians, he made peace by the blood of his cross. Peace with God, peace with each other. What does the scripture say? As much as it's possible, as it's up to you and you and me, live at peace. How? Through my own ability? No, through the cross. Jesus' love for us drove him to the cross. We can't add anything to the teaching of the cross. Later on, Paul starts to address certain things that have come in, even in his day, trying to take away the power of the cross. And he says, you walk as enemies of the cross. There's nothing you can add to the cross. No human reasoning, no human understanding. You can't add a bit of humanism or a bit of other religions. The cross stands alone as a message that is powerful enough to deliver every single one of us. Our sin was nailed to the cross. The cross has brought us joy. You know, as you go through the ages, you can see kind of the meaning of the cross gaining momentum. It's awesome. The first thousand years of history, it was considered the ransom re a revelation. 
You know, like a person who's been kidnapped and they send you a ransom note. So we were kidnapped by sin and the ransom was we were going to die. And then Christ said, I'll pay that. Isn't that beautiful? I'll pay that price. Well, how will you pay that price? I'll lay my life down and they'll be set free. So the note with all its demands has been paid in full. Next, you had the Christus Victor revelation, also in the first thousand years AD. In other words, on the cross, Jesus obtained victory over everything. Then we have the satisfaction revelation from the year thousand onwards. In other words, the justice of God was satisfied on the cross. In the 1600s, they added to that, and they said, also, the wrath of God was satisfied. The justice and the wrath of God satisfied. I wonder, have you ever been subjected to wrath? I think a lot of times when, you, when your kids upset you, there's a little bit of wrath that rises. Or you see, see some kind of injustice and the wrath in rise, rises in you. Imagine sitting there guilty and the wrath of God is against you. Wrath of God satisfied justice of God satisfied and they added to that and they said actually you know the motivation for all of that is love love was just poured out along with the wrath of God along with the justice of God the love of God was poured out on the cross so when you see the cross suffering to Christ but love and freedom to us that is awesome and so what changed through the cross everything History changed. The destiny of mankind. It's amazing how we're looking for this one big cataclysmic event. You know, the world is fully expecting, if you were you know, an average Netflix viewer, that zombies are going to come soon. They're on their way. And they're going to take over the world. We're all going to be in these little you know, cells protecting ourselves. They're expecting that or meteorites on its way. I think there's one at the moment that they're busy playing with. There's all these predictions about the destiny of mankind. No, there's only one thing that we who are in Christ are waiting for, and that's his second coming. Isn't that awesome? So the motivation then is let's tell everybody else about the power of the cross. They too need to be set free. But to those who are perishing, the Bible says it's foolishness. They just can't understand this. What changed through the cross? God's heart towards man. And then our status, not guilty. And we have this future. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to break bread as a celebration and a ministry moment of the power of the cross and the importance of the cross to every single one of us. And like what Paul said in verse 27 of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Poo, that is powerful. Well, I think we can almost put ourselves in a place where we have trivialized what should be something very important. That's why in another passage, as often as you come together, as often as you can, break bread. 
You know why they are wonderful reset moments? Because it's there that I can deal with this heart of sin. And when I examine myself, it's not in condemnation or trying to pull myself down and all this negative stuff. No, it's with this understanding that this symbol of the cross represents my freedom. And so I come to him with all my inadequacies. And it's important that you name them. Don't just say sin. Say sin. The way in which I hated my wife today, Lord. Or the way in which I, you know, didn't recognize your grace and your love. And I got frustrated. And and I kind of displayed all this bad. Forgive me, Lord. Where? On the cross. Sin was nailed right over there. And then I take the bread and I eat it and I celebrate a body that was broken for me, his body. And I drink the cup of the new covenant I have with him. And I reinforce the work of the cross. That's why we we should be breaking bread regularly. Not just here, but it should be in our own homes. Alone or with your family, whatever. Very important. So on the table, because of our social distancing, there are little cups. And there are little packets with bread in them. So make sure you take a cup and you take a packet as, as well. And we're going to do this on our own with social distancing in mind. So if you don't mind coming to collect one, and then I'll lead us when we all have the bread and we all have the grape juice. And then we can break bread together. For those at home who are still confined to their houses uh, or their lounges, it's a great opportunity for you to go to the kitchen and get yourself a bit of bread and a bit of grape juice or juice or whatever. And then break bread with us. Uh, and let this be a meaningful time to you as well. There are tables around the venue at the back. And David will bring me one as well. Thank you. Um, so there is enough for everyone. I think what would be really cool is for us to stand. Thank you. And I'm going to give you a moment, as I'm going to need one as well, just to pray that prayer and... And God help me. I think I used the illustration before. Martin Luther used to sit in front of his fire. And most nights, he would break bread. And before that, he would write down all his sins, the things he had done that he shouldn't have done, and the things he should have done that he never did. And he would write them down because he wanted to take responsibility properly. And then he said, thank you, Lord, that this was all done and accounted for and transacted on the cross. And he'll toss that piece of paper into the fire. We don't remember after we've asked for forgiveness. Because he separates our sin from us. As far as the east is from the west. We don't let it condemn us. We don't live in that. You know, I'm a a, a wicked whatever it is, whatever sin it is. No, it's dealt with. Now living the freedom of Christ. And so important, Lord forgive me. And confess your sin. Confess your sin. This is what I've done. And then once we've done that, let's break bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for us.